Restaurant Unstoppable Episode 93. Welcome to RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Listen to successful restaurant professionals as they discuss the tools, tactics, and services they use to better lead, manage, and market their restaurants. Join our community and make your restaurant dreams unstoppable. Here's your host, Eric Cacciatore. Yo, what is going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? It is your host, Eric Cacciatore, and this is the podcast for personal growth in the restaurant industry, and we do it by taking the advice and listening to the stories of the industry's most successful indie professionals. It's a melting pot of mentors, and I'm loving every second of it. All you have to do is hit play and absorb. It's that easy. It's invaluable. You can't afford not to listen If there's one thing all of my guests have in common, it's that they consider themselves students. They never stop pushing themselves, and they're always learning. So no matter where you are in your career, if you're just getting started or you're a seasoned restaurateur, this podcast is for you. So sit down, enjoy, because it's going to be a good one. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Edward Alois. Chef, are you ready to drop some restaurant bombs of knowledge. I guess so. All right, I cannot wait. Chef Alois has a career which spans over 40 years. He's been the president of a major hospitality corporation, a hospitality educator, guest instructor at Johnson & Wales, TED presenter, James Beard semifinalist, and the list goes on and on. Today, he is the chef of the Republic and Campo Enoteca in Manchester, New Hampshire. And a fun fact, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Republic was the first farm-to-restaurant uh, restaurant in New Hampshire, right? Yes, first certified farm-to-restaurant in the state. Oh, That's awesome. I love what you're doing for our industry and spreading awareness about the fo- the, the broken food system. It's, it's great. So um, I just gave our listeners a taste of who you are and what you're all about. Why don't you go ahead and give us a whole plateful of how you got into the industry and how you got to where you are today? Um, well, I mean, it's a kind of convoluted story. It's going to be some uh, cross-country trips back and forth. Uh, uh, starts out at uh, college in Boulder, Colorado in the 70s. And, you know, while I was in college, there was, you know, bartending and cooking while I was in school. And then um, after school, continued the bartending and and uh, the cooking. Then uh, uh, my wife and I decided to go back to New York City, where I'm from. So we traveled cross-country to New York City. And there I got my first restaurant management job at the Fiorello's Cafe across from Lincoln Center. For the firemen group, uh, I did that during the subway strike during New York City, and that was uh, uh, four of us running a, a million-dollar restaurant. It was pretty crazy. We were sleeping wow. in the place. <laughs> and then uh, after a year or so there, Claudia and I wanted to go back to Colorado. Back I went, and I became general manager of a, a restaurant chain uh, three, of three restaurants uh, up and down the Front Range. That's where I really made my bones down there. Uh, but I, And during my third year, I really, well, Claudia and I really wanted to do our own store, uh, a friend in Colorado had some connections back east. In the car we went back to the east coast, this time to Gloucester, Massachusetts. Um, tried twice to open up our store. Couldn't really get it going. Couldn't get the financing done. Did some chefing and general manager on the North Shore. Then a uh, business opportunity came around in New Hampshire. And in the car we went, up to New Hampshire we went and uh, became president of then a major hospitality corporation, seven restaurants, 
uh, hated that and uh, uh, really wanted to get back into um, our own store and were able to put together a business plan that got financed. And uh, we opened up in 1989 Cafe Pavone, which was the first restaurant in Manchester's Mill Yard, first retail that was in the sweater factory since the 19th century. That became fairly regionally renowned, uh, ran that for 10 years. And then over the next 25 years subsequent to that, uh, there's, there's been five restaurants that we've owned and operated and a major consulting company. And I worked from Portland to uh, um, to New York City. And, uh, you know, I got into the industry because, you know, I started out with it and you, te- you tend to stick with things you do well. Awesome. I mean, so many, just you, you're all over the place with your experience. It's incredible. But what I really love about your story is, you know, your persistence. Like you, you knew you wanted to open your own place. And so many people, they, they don't get it the first time. But what makes people successful is they don't look at their shortcomings as failures, their lessons learned. Um, and I'm sure you had so many lessons learned from that first attempt to open in Gloucester, uh, that you use those, you know, those shortcomings to apply to your, your next attempt. Um, and I'm sure we'll get around to that. I, I can't wait to hear about it, but, uh, I mean, just, it's so cool. And I love how you give back. You've, you've learned so much in your career and you, what you do with your time, you, you become an educator and you help other people. And I think that's another really awesome attribute of successful restaurant professionals. They, they just are so giving and it all comes back around and um, we'll learn all about this. Uh, I can't wait. You're going to be awesome. Before we start tapping into your it factors, what makes you successful? Can you share with us a success quote or mantra that you apply in your everyday life? Well, I mean, from a mantra perspective, um, I really have kind of like two th- kind of things that have been, you know, put in my brain. One, from my father, the other from my first uh, owner that I was a general manager for. For my father, he's, he'd always say, you know, if you don't like what you're doing, you're just not going to do it well, so stop it and go do something that you like. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, it, that's it's, that's kind of like been my life, you know, my, my life philosophy. I really feel sorry for people whose life start at 5 o'clock. You know, they have a vocation, then they have an avocation. They go to, they get up at 8, they leave at 4, and that's how they earn their money, and their life starts at 5 o'clock. Uh, I mean, I have to be an integrated human being. When I start in the morning and I go to bed at night, it has to be one content, contiguous thing. Whether I take a break here and there during the course of the day, I am what I am from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, and there's no breaks. I don't, I don't work to live or live to work. I just do what I do. And the other was from uh, my uh, first mentor, John Cowan, who pretty much told me that, hey, Ed, this is not going to be easy. And uh, uh, that's, boy, that's a fact. And but if, you, if you, the easy way is usually the the way you the way away from success, uh, you need to look at what is okay. What do I want to do? What is hard about it? What do I need to conquer? What do I need to get over that? What do I need to learn? And then you just keep on. Uh, and the, between you know doing what I love and knowing that I have to work at it, uh, every day is uh, every, every day is exciting. Oh man, you you are just like like working me up right now. I love what you're saying. Everything you're, you're saying is just so motivating. Like don't get into this industry. If you don't love it, absolutely love it because you have to love what you're doing or else you're just going to burn out. It can't feel like work. You just show up. That's what you said. You do what you do. It's not work to you. It's what you know. It's what you are. And if you don't, if you can't picture yourself doing anything, anything else, then I mean, don't get into the industry because it's not about the money. It's about, your passion and uh the buoyancy you have is incredible like you say you just keep showing up you are gonna fail every now and again but you use those lessons those failures you you fail forward and you just keep going you have such buoyancy so now that we have your 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 motivational quote and your your mantra 
what are those it factors, if you could limit it down to just or fewer, one or two, that you believe helps you get to the next level, that contribute to your success? And if you could share a specific story, that would be awesome. Well, I mean, I think I've got uh, – there are two things that are, about, that are about me. I think one of them might be considered maybe even a character flaw, to tell you the truth. I, I have no sense of past. I don't dwell on the past. I don't carry grudges. I don't uh, – I don't uh, uh, carry any kind of baggage. Uh, I'm always, it's always today and tomorrow, today and tomorrow. What's next? What's next? What's, what's the next thing that's going to uh, get me charged up? What's the next thing that's going to move my business? What's the next thing that's going to move me intellectually and personally and physically? Sometimes it happens that uh, uh, I, not only do I lose things, but sometimes I, I lose people, and that's probably the bad part of it. But, uh, you know, the fact that I, you don't carry path, you don't, Think about what's always going on behind you. You're always thinking about what's going on ahead of you, and that's that, that's one of the other things. And the other is my intense competition. I mean, I was steeped in it uh, from a, even as a child. You know, I've been an athlete my entire life. Always been involved in sports. Still am. You know, again, this comes back from my father. He said the only thing worse than losing because you didn't give your best effort is cheating. You go out there, you compete, you give it your best, you play by the rules, you work hard. That, that's what's going to keep you, keep you going. And that level of competition, every, it's me against the marketplace. It's me against the next guest. It's me against me. You know? And uh, if you can't be self-motivated, like, you know, which is, I, I believe, one of the biggest traits I have, and the fact that I'm not carrying any baggage behind me, whatever I did yesterday was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in Republic, we put two menus up every single day, and every day it's different. Um, uh, I don't, you know, we buy fish at auction on a daily basis. I don't even know what's happening until it shows up at the door sometimes. And that little, that buzz, that, 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 that taste in the back of your mouth, it's almost fear. It's like waiting for the, you know, like you're on the tennis court waiting for that first serve to come at you or you're, you're, you know, or you're on, you're on, you're on a cycle and you're making a turn and you see a hill in front of you. It's that buzz that's in your stomach that really drives you. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that, I think those are the two things that really helped me out. That's awesome. I mean, I love your just, you know, one of the things I'm hearing is that, you know, having this no sense of past, your eyes are always to the future and you're always looking for ways to, to stay fresh and to always be improving. That's just a great way to stay fresh is just to always be looking to the future for new opportunities. And like they say, Kaizen, which comes up all the time, that business, that Japanese business philosophy of always be trying to make yourself better um, is kind of like what I'm hearing from you. And that competitive edge just drives that everything i mean it's all obviously has built up to uh contribute to your success but can you give us a story of when your ability to not get caught up in the past and your competitive edge helped you get to the next level in your career well i i go back to the time we first opened up our first restaurant when we're down in the millyard uh manchester's millyard in this 1989 i mean it it was there's nothing there i mean today uh, the millyard is, is thriving and the occupancy uh, there's, like, there's like half a million square feet with an 80% occupancy. Down there, there's half a million square feet with a, a 20% occupancy. Was a, with, no, nobody was down in the mill yard at the time. And we looked at a location that from the air looked perfect, right next to downtown. It had all of the attributes we needed, except that you know there was standing water. There was uh, boathouse doors. It, it looked as much as a restaurant as like, I don't know, a forest would. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I knew it right there. I knew that I had the location. I knew if I put my, if I put our best effort out and we got creative and we got imaginative and we were going to make that place, the, not only into Cafe Pavone, which was a very successful restaurant, we were going to make the Milliard alive. 
and we did. And it ended up we ended up getting the key to the city and all that other stuff. But I mean, the the whole fact that we saw something, weren't afraid to take the chance, gambled on myself, confident in the fact that if I did the right thing, we worked hard enough, we can turn this almost a scar into a palace. And uh, that's what happened. I love how you say you, know, you just took the chance. And I feel like a lot of people who are truly passionate about this industry, that's one of the things they might be afraid to just take the chance. And yeah, there's so much risk involved, but you'll never know unless you just dive and learn and keep your eyes to the future and constantly be looking to improve. But the first thing you have to do is take a chance. And that's just a, such a great you know, lesson to take away from that story, Chef. Um, so we've heard about what makes you successful, what it is. We got your su- success story. Now tell us about a time you failed, because as we know, we can learn a lot from other people's successes, but we learn the most from other people's failures or shortcomings. So tell us about a time you just fell hard on your butt and what you learned from that experience and how you got back up. Failure is relative. I mean, you know, let's take a baseball analogy. You know, Ted Williams, most successful, statistically successful baseball player of all time, batted 400, failed six out of 10 times, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's, it's how you view your either misstep or your miscalculation. And go back to our first restaurant, Cafe Pavone. We were very successful. We were were open for three and a half years, four years. We had had a a long-term staff. We had an opportunity to move that store uh, to to Nashua, 15 miles away, the exact same concept. I took everyone that helped start the first store down there. And to a person, everything, nobody was able to function the job. I was not able to split myself in two at the time. I didn't realize how important I truly was, not only to the concept, but to support those people who would have to lead the charge um, with me not there. Um, in uh, in a very very short period of time, less than a year, we, we looked at uh, bankruptcy and uh, um, we sucked it up. Uh, I was able to move the location back. We went to Cafe Pavone, went back to work, got that store back up and running, and uh, recouped totally, and then and then some. But realized. Just how important an entrepreneur is um, to not only the concept but to the people, and uh, you can uh, you can man- you, you can develop people, you can um, give them all the tools that you think they need, but you have but, but when you cut that cord, you have to be totally confident that either you have the ability to be in two places at once, or those people that you're letting go, almost like a, a parent letting a child go to college, is prepared. Mm-hmm. So is, if I can just. Uh summarize it sounds like the failure was you took on too much too soon and the people that you had on your team maybe weren't quite there to be on their own yet is is that accurate that's pretty accurate okay and what advice do you have what did you learn like how did you improve upon yourself to now have two locations that seem to be doing great like what did you take away and how are you doing it differently now to contribute to your success well, uh, yeah, I mean, right now, we're, uh, the best big thing we're doing before we, you know, we, we split into other locations is to really test our staff, um, test them in, in the location with me there, put them in situations where they have to make the call, where they have to be the, uh, the leader of the charge, where they have to take some concept decisions and sit back and watch them do it, uh, mentor them in a, when they need some correction, praise them when they did the right thing. It's almost like spring training. Be sure that they are... A, ready to make that move, put them in situations they're going to face, put it, have them do it in a controlled way. That's when we moved to, down to Campo in Ateca and our, I mean, that's what we did. And uh, we're very happy about results. Awesome, Chef. I love how you take accountability for the situation. Like you had a failure, but you didn't blame your staff. You said, you know, I didn't 
trained them to the point where they needed to be. It was on me. And you owned that, uh, which is just really cool. Like, it's not always going to go well, but when it doesn't go well, learn from that experience and be buoyant like you were. And to, to have that ability to be proactive and to not do it twice and to learn from these mistakes is amazing. And like you say, it's it's all relative. A great batter will hit four out of ten pitches and they could be amazing. We're in that kind of industry. Not every attempt is going to be successful, but you just keep on improving and getting better. We can learn so much about that. Uh, you are such a great example of that. So we have reached the part of the show where you're going to just drop some big old restaurant bombs of knowledge are you ready oh sure let's go all right i cannot wait so the first question i have in the knowledge bomb section what advice do you have for funding a restaurant uh, as a matter of fact there really aren't that many ways to get uh, funding for a restaurant uh, you, dad can give you a check or you can uh, coerce a family member or something like that but the last place you're going to go now is to a bank because banks only give money to people who don't need it and that's mm-hmm. a fact the best thing is, when you, if you want to do your own store, the best thing to do is be able to do it in a way where your debt is limited because debt makes decisions for you, and never are they the right ones. When, the de- when debt makes the call, uh, nine out of ten times, uh, it's, it's the wrong call to make, and you're making it out of financial pressure as opposed to what the business needs. The best thing I can tell you to do is be someone's exit strategy. Get a job for someone, work your way into his position, Give someone through sweat equity a way to get out of their business and move you in um, without having to put down a great deal of money. Because right now, most people don't have it. To open up a restaurant right now uh, from scratch, from zero, you know, you're talking about three, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000. It's not, uh, you know, the bank's not going to loan you $400,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you either start out small and work your way up one, two, three, four, five over time. Or the best thing I did when I was a consultant was give people exit strategies. And an exit strategy for an owner is have someone mentor someone who will take your spot and uh, keep the concept going. And you can go to Florida and they can go behind the line. Man, that is the first time I've heard somebody say be someone's exit strategy. I I mean, I've heard of just trying to be creative and don't limit your, your scope. Think outside the box. But that's the first time I've heard be someone's exit strategy. So many people get into this industry, they put their capital up, and you can capitalize on it if they they don't want to do it anymore. They can you can get such great deals. They'll give you the skills too, and and everything. Um, I mean that's that's a first. Uh, you you nailed it, man. That's awesome. So that is definitely a key takeaway. Uh, the next question I have for you: What advice do you have for hiring great people? Um, well, the best the best thing you can do right now. I mean. You hire human beings. I mean, uh, what, what, what comes to your business can't be just a skill set. I mean, you, during your interview process, you assume you look at the resume, you talk to the individual, you, you see they've got some of the experience you're looking for. But right away, the next question is, like, you know, uh, uh, what's your hobbies? What do you do when you're not working? Uh, what are you reading? What do, uh, where do you go for vacations? Uh, uh, are you a painter? Are you a writer? Are you a runner? Because what I'm looking for is someone to bring not only to my business's ability to cook my food or even help me move my food, but interact with other employees, interact with our guests, especially here at Republic. It's, a, it's an open kitchen. People are always talking to our, our, to our servers and to, and to our cooks. And it's, uh, you'll be surprised how often that conversation veers away from the food and into something else. And when a human being interacts with another human being, there's growth. And uh, growth is what it's all about, not just from a business perspective, but from a personal perspective. Now, I love how you, you talk about getting to know your future employees, asking what it is that they love and what they're passionate about. 
Has there been a time where just by asking these questions, you came across opportunity in your your future employer, maybe a skill that you needed that they had that you would have never known existed unless you didn't ask? None truly come to mind at the moment, but I can tell you that from bringing people in of different different backgrounds, different skill sets, a, t- a team becomes a more cohesive, organic force. Uh, and when you've got people who are uh, working next to each other under the pressure of, uh, of, of, of a restaurant, you know, when there's a bond that is more than, you know, shared cooking skills, but now they, they can communicate about something else. These two people become a stronger team. The, the product comes out better because there's an ease behind the line. There's a support system, a mental support system, an emotional support system. It's a known fact when there are two opposite skill sets mm-hmm. and they come together, the subsequent enterprise is going to be way, way more valuable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think this is a great segue into the next question, Chef. When you find these great people, how do you keep them on your team? First, when you hire human beings, you need to treat them like human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's a given. Uh, you, you put together an environment that is uh, uh, um, that is nurturing, that is uh, stable, uh, fair, that has uh, uh, everybody knows where they stand. You give them opportunities to learn. Uh, here, right now, we're, we're talking in my uh, downstairs kitchen, and down here is where all like the ground where I work, and upstairs where everything's produced. Uh, uh, first thing I tell people that this kitchen is not North Korea. You know, you're allowed to come down here. You're allowed to help out. You're allowed to ask questions. You taste everything. This is more like a classroom. And mm-hmm. when you give people the opportunity to, to do more on their own whenever they want, uh, not to say, okay, today's your task, and here's your new task, and you do this and you do this, you, you create an environment where people are allowed to come in and, um, and choose what they want to learn. And then as, a, uh, you know, as the chef and as the mentor, you say, okay, let's go. What do you want to know? I'll teach you. And, I love uh, and they'll move as far as they want or not at all. Everything you're saying to me is so much along the lines of uh, the book I read not too long ago by Chip Connolly, Peak. And what he talks about in that book is feeding into the higher needs of an individual. It's not enough to give somebody a paycheck and a, a job so they can pay their rent and put food on the table. They need to feel like they have a purpose. And when you do all these things you're saying, when you're, make, when you're educating them, when you're providing value in their life, when you're making them feel like a part of a family and just giving them that sense of purpose and belonging they're going to be loyal and they will do more for you but it all starts with you doing more for them and i mean you're i love the advice you're giving us all right the next question i have for you chef what advice do you have for teamwork like in the middle of a rush when like the caca hits the fan like it always does we can't avoid it it's going to happen every once in a while how do you power through and come out the other end well you do it by uh being being understanding that it is going to happen Mm -hmm. and you know and you know, any good restaurant needs to be prepared for Armageddon. Uh, so you have to have your, uh, uh, your, 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 your shift has to be organized. Your uh, tools have to be ready. Uh, your mise en place has to be understood the same every time. Uh, so when somebody's acting instinctually, when the tickets are pouring out of the machine and you need to get something and you move towards it, it's there. Not only is it there, it's there in the volume you need. Um, so the, the way you you know, when, 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 when you guys are in the weeds, it has to be where everything you need is there. They know where it is. They've been trained. Um, the support is there. Uh, the, the, the product they need is there. Nobody's running downstairs for like a, a gallon of milk, you know, in the middle of, middle of a rush, you know. So you, 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 it's, it's all preparation and it's pre-preparation and it's training. And it's all part of that team thing. When people are together, 
doing more and understanding that not only is this guy my coworker, but he's also my friend, and I like being with him. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sabotage this guy. I'm gonna be sure that when I leave my shift, he, next guy's ready and he's gonna do it. Not only because it's his job, or I'm chef's gonna walk around and you know bark at him. He does it because he doesn't want to let his friend down. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing is that you have amazing structure. And what can you? Um, what advice can you give for building that structure? Systems, policies, procedures. Like, how do you do it? How do you establish that structure? Um, again, it's just a level of organization, and it's, it starts. You know, it starts with your menu. You work your way up from the from the menu to your walk in to your receiving to how things are laid out to your mise en place upstairs. To everybody has their job description. Um, there has to be a pyramid of there has to be a pyramid of tasks, and uh, once those and. Once, those, once that pyramid of tasks is established, um, it, it, it's easy to follow. It's also easy to evolve. Do you uh, organize? Do you organize those periods of tasks anyway? Uh, yeah, everybody has a, a, every position has a job description, and each job description and, and, and each and each position has a, a set of mise en place. And they walk in every day. Uh, they're, they're trained. It's written. There is a, a, a supervisor, like a, my sous chef, is on the line, being following that following that level of organization. There are things that happen on a time schedule. Uh, everybody knows that now at four o'clock, the fish is. Well, as I'm talking to you, the fish just got delivered behind you. Uh, they know that by four fifteen, I'll have to hold that fish broken down. By four thirty, the specials are up. The changeover happens. Uh, there's another shift that comes in, and they leave the line downstairs. They start organizing for the next day. So the next guy comes in in the morning. You know, he's ready to go. Now, having all these job descriptions written out, uh, committed to one way, one structured way, how much easier would you say this makes your life? Without it, there'd be no there'd be no business. Yeah. I mean, there'd be no longevity to the business. Because eventually, um, that kind of chaos will transfer to the plate. Mm-hmm. And when you have chaos, you have chaotic plate. You got to have a chaotic plate. You have inconsistent food. You have inconsistent food. You have no gas. You're out of business. Yeah, not even the the food, but the when you have chaos, the it's incons- it's chaos service, chaos hospitality. If you are being distracted by problems, you're not going to be as effective in your hospitality and just serving your guests. If you are being Hit with obstacle after obstacle. You need to. I mean, all these things. You're. Uh, I don't have to say anymore. You said it all. You're. You're killing it. I'm so happy you've been a guest thus far in the show, and we still have more information that you're gonna drop on us. I can't wait. So the next question I have for you, Chef, is what is like one restaurant or two restaurant resources, whether it's a book or a website or a blog, that you just love to go to to kind of continuously learn and to just grow and be better. Well, I mean. Uh... Tell you the truth, the, 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 I don't have a whole lot of time for those things. Mm-hmm. But the, the main resource I have is, is my partner and wife, Claudia. I mean, this woman is, is, is relentless in her in her research. Uh, there, a day doesn't go by where, in, on either through my email uh, or through or in the morning when, that, when I get up and make coffee, there is either a recipe, there's a book, there's a uh, um, uh, a uh, an article from a newspaper, there is. Uh, uh, there's uh, there's something there that for me t- to do. So it's almost like having uh, a second pair of eyes, you know. Mm-hmm. And that uh, and she's the one that's really driving it. She she she. I think a lot of the recipes that I'm, that I that I, I use in this restaurant have their genesis in the research that Claudia's doing. If Claudia was sitting next to you, what would she say her favorite resource is? Uh, I would say that her favorite, you know, just cookbooks. The woman's got a. Uh, uh, uncountable number of them. Some of them are, they look like furniture, but they stack so high. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we, we don't eat out often, but when we do eat out, we try to challenge ourselves where to go. Uh, and there's a, and there's a few places that we, we've been to that we've, you know, we've learned some things. Uh, but I guess the, the biggest resource for me is my wife. Awesome. I, I love it. That's great. And I mean, 
if you have a good partner in this industry, uh, it really does help. But what's really important about partnerships, like you mentioned earlier, if you find somebody who is good at what you're not or they complement your weaknesses, it sounds like her strength is going out there and finding these resources and your strength is applying them. But the, fa- the thing is you're doing it. Somebody is staying fresh. Somebody is putting the effort into keeping fresh. And you have to always be looking to learn and to expand and to stay current and to always be a little bit ahead of your competition. And, yeah, I mean, I love that somebody's doing it. This, like, I think it was uh, in the book Building a Great Business by Ari Weinswag. He talks about the, the successful businesses are the ones that do those things that aren't glamorous because they know they have to do it and they just do it anyway. And this, this is one of those things, staying fresh and current. And it's great that you have somebody, a part of your team, a great partner to do it. It's That's awesome. And I love that you give her the credit, too. That's another thing, too. Humility is an, another <laughs> – just being grateful for the, the resources you have in your life. That's that's awesome. So uh, the next question I have for you, let's talk a little bit about marketing. Um, we, can, we can talk about social marketing. We can talk about old-school marketing. What do you think, if you could focus your effort into one like source of marketing, like what would you say? Um, again, I'm as old school as you can get. It's word of mouth. Uh, one guest at a time, one table at a time, one plate at a time. That is going to secure your business. Mm-hmm. Getting the word out, I mean, uh, we use them all. Um, one of our managers here is pretty tech savvy. And uh, again, it's, it's Facebook, it's Instagram. Uh, one of the things I'm finding out, though, is that uh, we use Mad Mimi a lot for, for email blasts. Uh, we have a huge, extensive email uh, live, um, uh, network. But you have to you have to be careful what you say. You know, if you just keep you know yelling out there, hey, 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 look at this, Jack the bartender. Hey, today I got fish. I got the people. Are eventually, going to turn it off. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to choose what you, what you're going to say, when you're going to say it, um, how you say it, and then be quiet for a while. Mm-hmm. Let them come in and, uh, and, and 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 see. You know, your marketing needs to invite people in, um, not scream at them uh, over the, uh, uh, the the noise of you know the, the cyber noise. But again, it's one plate, one guest, one plate, one guest, one plate, one guest, uh, and the rest is you know having somebody out there informing the world that we're doing really good one at a time. Awesome, great advice. So the next question I have for you, Chef, is on the topic of technology. Are there any tools or any types of technology you leverage to stay one step ahead of your competition? Yeah, again, we do data capture, of course. Uh, 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 our front of house staff is um, very highly motivated to uh, be sure that uh, our guests are uh, communicating to us uh, via a, uh, uh, you know, a, a little thing that goes on the, 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 the checks at the end of, of the meal. Um, uh, and we communicate to them. I mean, the, from, from a technical perspective, I mean, you know, we're a full service, really European style, old school restaurant, you know. Uh, so, I mean, we're not using handheld computers at the table. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not using those kind of things. Obviously, we use we have a POS system like the store does. Uh, we, we, we know what we're selling, how much we're selling, when we're selling it. You know, we, we're constantly monitoring our labor costs. I mean, that's easy. Those kind of things are built into your Windows computer, and whatever POS system you have is just the same as the other one. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all based on the same. They're all built on the same platform. So those kind of informations are, are good uh, to help you monitor and manage your business, and you need to be sure of that. Um, and the rest is, you know, doing the due diligence, you know, mm-hmm. doing your inventories and uh, logging them into your machines, uh, uh, looking at them, uh, ha- have some sort of a, a, a spreadsheet so you, ha- you can superpose one month to the next month and see your variations and act on it in mm-hmm. real time. You know, uh, we have our costs uh, done uh, four days, three days after our inventory is taken. 
So we're at, if we have, we have an issue, we can deal with it in real time in the month that that issue takes place. I think the one word, I mean, it's just due diligence. Um, when you, it's, it's not the easiest to create effective systems, but systems are so important. With technology, what you can do is leverage a system that's already been created for a specific purpose and plug it into your business. And it's so effective uh, that it just makes you operate that much more effectively and efficiently uh but it's a matter of learning to find out what's out there and how different systems that already exist can be implemented to make you function better but yeah um totally just due diligence and just making the most of what you have so um all right the next question i have for you chef what advice do you have for somebody getting started in the industry best advice i have is to get into it first i mean uh, if you're just getting started in the industry uh, uh, do more than one thing i mean uh, uh if you like cooking you know, get in, get a job as you know, get a job where you're cooking, but also get a job maybe where you do a little baking, or if you like baking, uh, do a little cooking. Uh, if, uh, if you like bartending, do a little waiting. Uh, uh, do a couple of things that inside the, the the umbrella of this industry, so you can you 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 can see what you can see what the options are. Um, uh, maybe take a job in a restaurant, or maybe also take a job in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Do things if you're doing part time stuff. Experience as much as you can, as early as you can. Because if you, like I said, if you make the wrong decision, you'd be doing something you don't like, and you're going to fail at it. So if you just get started, like, do a shotgun approach yeah. and uh, um, do a couple of things simultaneously. Absolutely. I think so many times people have false um, preconceptions of what this industry is, and they get all this money, and they throw money at it, and they get into it with no past experience being in the industry. They just have these fantasies of what it would be. And then they just realize that, oh, my God, like, what did I what did I do? But that's great advice if you just get into it and figure out if you like it, if it's something you're even good at, before you just leap in totally with yeah, investments. I think the first thing should, probably the first thing they should do is turn off their televisions, get off the food channel. Because <laughs> none, none of that's real. And uh, it gives you a false impression. It gives you a false idea of what it's mm-hmm. like. You know, you know, all chefs aren't maniacs and screamers. And uh, uh, all, you know, all, all putting up uh, putting a menu together is more than just like getting charged with putting dinner together with like calamari and peanut mm-hmm. butter. I mean, there's, you know, you've got to, uh, you have to really have to learn, uh, what the, what the bones of this industry is. And, 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 you, and when I was teaching at SNHU, I mean, the same thing was happening. I was teaching in the cooling department. And first thing I'd ask of a class of 40, how many people, um, have ever worked in a restaurant before and out of a class of 40, I think maybe 12 did. Wow. And, uh, you know, wow. and, and here they are, you know, Already starting out acquiring debt, and they don't even know what they're getting yeah. into. Mm-hmm. So you start, you, know, you start out, give it a shot, get a job, and not just get a job, maybe get two, mm-hmm. and do one over here, do one over there. Open your eyes, um, and when you're interviewing for a job, uh, just you know, interview the interviewer. You know, be sure that when you're going into a position, they're gonna, you know, they're, they're, you're gonna learn something there. You're just not gonna be stuffing chicken breast in the basement. You know, I love it. So I've asked all the questions I have for you. Uh, before we part ways, is there anything I could have asked you, a question you, you can think of that would have added value to this interview? I think you did a pretty good job. I mean, uh, uh, the, 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 there's, so, uh, uh, there's so many things about this industry to, to, to talk about. But I guess the best thing is that when somebody's getting into this, they have to know what the, what the business of the business is. I mean, there is a business, there is a business model from restaurants that's not too dissimilar Many other business, you know. There's, you know, there's, there's inventory control. There's pricing. There's, there's, there's human resources. Um, there are there there is a there is a procedure, you know, to running a business. And uh, hospitality is superimposed on business one on one. So if you, 
you know, any business class will teach you how to do certain things and restaurants run exactly the same way. Absolutely. So we're going to wrap it up and we do that by giving you the opportunity to call somebody out. Who is one restaurant professional you admire and think would make a great mentor on the show? Well, I mean, uh, there is one, probably one nationally, maybe one locally. Uh, uh, I mean, Jose Andreas down in D.C. is, uh, um, he's the guy who started doing restaurants down in, uh, um, in the D.C. area when, you know, it was still shrimp cocktail and, 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 and filet mignon. And now he pretty much owns uh, the, that town area with Satinia and a few other stores. He's a mentor. He's somebody who took a chance, and he changed a very major market. Um, locally here, I mean, in the marketplace here, I would suggest you talk to Chef Michael Buckley. Uh, he's somebody that's moved in three different cities. Uh, he's got uh, a number of successful stores. He's a, uh, I, I know a lot of his, his people have moved on to bigger positions. I think those are the two you might want to talk to. Awesome. Two great potential Contact guests. Contact might be available, but we will never, never know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would love to connect with both of them. If you guys are listening to this, I'm coming after you. I would love to have you as a guest in the show. This is where you just let everyone listening, if they're in New Hampshire and they want to come have you be their mentor and work underneath you and get educated by somebody who gets it, someone like you, how can we connect? Walk in the front door of Republic or Campo Inateca on uh, Elm Street in Manchester. Uh, communicate through uh, uh, one of our websites. This is one of the guys you want to work for. I mean, you can tell his, his passion for the industry, his experience as an educator. If you're out there, uh, connect. I, I would come work for you if I wasn't <laughs> terribly overwhelmed with all my different jobs. But uh, I will definitely come visit you real soon because I have not been to eat at your restaurant. And it's only 45 minutes away. I cannot wait to come check it out. But, um... That's, that's it. You've been an incredible guest. Uh, thank you so much. I mean, you've shared your inspiration. You've motivated us. You've told us what it takes to be successful. There's no secret why you are unstoppable. Uh, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Another great episode here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I hope you guys found value in today's lessons and these stories that were shared. I know I did. And if you did find value, please support this community. It's so easy. All you have to do is spread the word. Share this content with somebody you know who might find value in all these lessons. It's never been so easy to learn. Another thing you can do is rate the show. Five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio go so far with helping create awareness. And lastly, email me. Tell me who you know that would make a great guest on the show, and I will approach them and ask them to join our Melting Pot of Mentors. Or tell me what you think would make good content. What questions do you have? What are you curious about? What are your challenges? I will do the research or find somebody who has the answers and get them on the show to share their knowledge with us and we can learn together. But it all starts with you. I am here. I am your sword. Wield me. I challenge you. I hope you guys have fun. Until next time, peace out.